This episode of the Lutheran Cartographer is brought to you by the Ron Paul Homeschool Curriculum. If you're looking for a good curriculum, check it out at lutherancartographer.com homeschool. The Lutheran Cartographer, episode 31. Welcome to the Lutheran Cartographer, the podcast where we explore what it's like to be Lutheran in different places. I'm your host, Nicholas Weber. Today we're going to Brookings, South Dakota to talk to Pastor Matthew Worm of Mount Calvary Lutheran Church. Pastor Worm, welcome to the show. Good to be here, Nicholas. All right, so help orient our listeners geographically. We're in South Dakota, but where is Brookings in relation to other places they might be aware of? Sure. Uh, Brookings is located on the eastern side of South Dakota. Uh, We're about an hour north of Sioux Falls, which is the largest city in South Dakota. Um, South Dakota and North Dakota are kind of divided uh, by the Missouri River that runs through them both. And so we're on the the east side. So the the temperament of people, I don't know if I want to say temperament, but the, the outlook of people is different on the east side as it is on the west side. Uh, west side is more ranching, east side is more farming. Uh, west side is less densely populated, east side has a little bit more population. Um, we're located two and a half hours south of Fargo and about three and a half, four hours west, directly west of the Twin Cities in Minneapolis, Minneapolis, St. Paul. I see. So let's explore a little bit more about that. Uh, You mentioned that people kind of look at the world differently or there's a definite difference between the east and the west that comes along with that farming and ranching divide as well as that populist divide. Could you uh, explain that a little bit more to our listeners? Oh, sure. So on on the eastern side, you you have uh, more generations of uh, families who have been um, tied to farming, which is different than ranching. So ranching, you have uh, acres and just, I mean, acres, they call them sections out here, uh, sections of a square mile. Uh, and and it just, the West River is, you, you can drive for 45 minutes and not see anybody. I mean, there's such such few population, but it's all ranch land. So you have cattle um, that just kind of roam free out there. Uh, on the east side, um I don't really know how to explain the differences between the people. Um, politically, it's pretty unified. Um, economically, pretty unified as well. Uh, I think the West River folk are a little bit maybe more resilient. You just have to survive when you're 45 minutes from anybody and you break down. You're going to have to figure it out on your own. Yeah. Uh, we do out here in East River as well, but yeah. All right. Good deal. So tell us a little bit more about yourself, your background, and how you came to Brookings. Sure. Um, So I was born and raised in uh, Sheboygan County, Wisconsin, which would be a really neat one to do a Lutheran cartography uh, interview in because there's 23 LCMS churches in the county. Wow. It's Yeah, that's where I grew up. So I grew up thinking that everybody in the world is LCMS just like me. And then I moved out of Sheboygan County, and that definitely was not the case. Uh, So, yeah. So I grew up there, um, went to a seminary in St. Louis, uh, and my vicarage was actually in this very office that I'm at. So I was assigned to vicarage at Mount Calvary here in Brookings um, to do campus ministry. About 75% of my time was doing campus ministry at South Dakota State University, just two blocks away. Um, and then uh, I got my first call to Bemidji. I served Trinity Lutheran Church up in Bemidji for five years and then came back here to Brookings Uh I was married before I was ordained, um, 
The Lord's blessed us with six kids. Uh, the last set are twins. Uh, they're nine months old now, so congratulations. I don't We're just starting to get some sleep. It's amazing how six hours of uninterrupted sleep will just make you feel like a million bucks. Um, so that's how I ended up out here. My dad, uh, he's a retired pastor. That's, yeah, how I ended up here. All right, excellent. And you said uh, Bemidji. That is that Bemidji, Minnesota? Yep, Bemidji, Minnesota, the icebox of America. It's one of the multiple homes of Paul Bunyan. Ah, okay. Good deal. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about the the good things about uh, Brookings. What would you say are some of the the best things about living there? (laughs) I remember when I got my vicarage documents and it said um, amenities or or, uh, good things about the town, and it was trees on the boulevard. And I thought, I come from Wisconsin, trees everywhere. Why, Why do you... Why do you put as as a, as a good thing to have trees in town? The wind blows like today. It's got to be blowing forty miles an hour out there. We got another storm system coming through. Uh, so having mature hardwoods in town is a is a great thing because you just don't get that in the farming community. You certainly don't get it West River where it's all plains um, and grassland. So so the trees are nice. Uh, with SDSU here in town, we have a a lot of uh, sports. Uh, opportunities to watch um and also with uh, the arts uh dancing and uh, theater plays and, and so forth uh, there's there's a lot to do here in town that revolves around the university um the the town itself is growing they just can't build houses fast enough uh, we have a balance of of um employment at the university, which brings a lot of intellectuals in, into town, and then also manufacturing. So 3M has a huge plant here, over I think a thousand workers, Larson Windows and Doors, uh, Rainbow Play Systems, Twin City Fan, uh, and a number of other electronics. They make big scoreboards and stuff. So there's a lot of industry in the town as well. So we have uh, lots of families, um, lots and lots of young workers, families, the wages are good. It's just a good place to live. Excellent. So let's talk about the flip side. What are some of the challenges about being in Brookings? There's no trees outside of Brookings. Uh, <laughs> I, I pine for the mountains um, or, or northern Minnesota where it's just trees everywhere. I love, loved it up there, lakes everywhere. Um, we don't have many lakes around here. Um, by mid-July, the lakes are all green with algae. Uh, anyhow, Sandy Beach is very, very hard to find. We have a lot of sloughs, which are... They call them sloughs, but they're really marshes, swamps, things like that. Good for wildlife. Um, so I think that just the, the landscape, uh, the, the the sunsets and the sunrises are beautiful because you can see for 30, 40 miles, you know, uh, kind of at a crack. You go about an hour and a half north of us, and then you get into the Glacial Lakes area. Uh, fishing is phenomenal up there. The, the beauty is just uh, just as equal. Um so I think just the the landscape is, it's not the mountains, it's not the Rockies, it's not Colorado, but the people are great. So that's why we stay here. Excellent. So let's talk a little bit more about the people. What is it like to be Lutheran there? Um, in in this part of the state, we have a fair number of Lutheran churches. Um, I'm the circuit visitor here, and we have I think 13 churches in our circuit, but it goes. Well, two and a half hours north of us. Um, there's another Lutheran church in town. They have a 
phenomenal facility. Uh, they do preschool child care there. They have a little small um, Lutheran school that they've started as well. Um, and that's um, very great. They got two pastors at their congregation as well. We got two pastors at our congregation. Um, our congregation here, we're probably like the most traditional church in town, Lutheran church in town, I'd say. Um, for our, our members themselves, they're very well uh, catechized, I would say, and I have to give credit to the pastors that have gone before me. And so I'm able to, you know, dive a little deeper into discussions, into uh, into Bible study, into theology. Um, their the main focus of the members in our congregation is for passing the faith on to the next generation and the youth. And so our our youth board, even it, even amidst COVID, when like nobody's meeting or doing anything, you know, my calendar is, is full for youth activities, uh, for studies and events and stuff you can do outside. Uh, or the next, I do youth nights about every uh, every month. And so the next one I'm doing is on um, protests. So I got to come up with some kind of Bible study on uh, civic civic rights and protests and stuff. So that's fun. Um, the the other Lutheran churches in town are ELCA and um, as I mentioned to you beforehand, I, I have new member classes that I have to do uh, this week, even amidst COVID, because the other Lutheran churches in town aren't opening up. And they say, no, it's too dangerous. We're not going to deliver God's word and sacrament in uh, public means. And uh, and their members, well, they want Jesus. So they've started to come to us a little bit more, and I'm happy to give them Jesus. I think that's that's what my ordination is about. That's what the church is about. So, um, so does that suffice for an answer? It does, yeah. Let's talk just a little bit more about the uh, LCMS-ELCA uh, divide in terms of when we talked to uh, Pastor Bradamire, who's up uh, just north of the border in North Dakota, um, up in Oaks. Uh, he talked a lot about uh, or talked about the how it was mostly – how there were a lot more uh, ELCA Lutherans in North Dakota than LCMS Lutherans. And is that the, ca the case also in South Dakota in your area? Um, I, I think for active members, the, the LCMS, I would probably say, has more active members than, than the ELCA. Um, there's two large ELCA churches in, in town. Um, both of them... Had, recently unfortunately have had you know internal conflict um and other issues uh, going on there they're they're big they have lots of money oh they got deep pockets of both those congregations phenomenal facilities ours is, is a, a modest facility uh is my my heart really goes out to the, all those people you know like the elca was it two months ago or something like that put out this this daily prayer um tweet that started off with mother god and um, that's not even Christian. Yep, that's that's pagan. Yeah, that's uh, but the, very the, different. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so so I, I I keep on good relations with all my ELCA friends in town. Uh, one is a uh, works at the funeral home here in town, and uh, we, we kind of go go back a little ways. Uh, so you just keep on good rapport, and um, you you let them know know the gospel. Um, I would say that the two churches here in town, to come to think of it, um, they're big social gospel uh, advocates, the ELCA ones. And so we just had a, a BLM march here in town two, uh, last week, and that brought a lot of excitement to our town. 
and, and one of the other pastors in uh, the ELCA pastor in our ministerium sent out an email that said, if you do not participate in this, your silence speaks for where you stand uh, on this issue of, uh, of protecting your neighbor, right? And, uh, and that Black Lives Matter and, 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 and any life before, any life that our Father has given, our Heavenly Father has given matters to him. And so we should defend that. I'm like, well, it's not quite that simple, but, but that's where they're at. And so um, uh, they, they, I think the ELCA a few decades ago exchanged the gospel of the forgiveness of sins for the, the social gospel of um, doing what your neighbor, what you think your neighbor wants you to do for them. Yeah, kind of uh, doing good works, kind of going back, like around to pre-Reformation or something, just in yeah. a different way. Yeah, yeah, pretty sad. Let's talk about happier things, though. Uh, let's talk about what it's like to raise a family there. You mentioned you have six children. What's it like to raise them in Brookings? Oh, great! Um, Brookings is a ridiculously family from friend family friendly town. We have this uh, children's museum, uh, which is in downtown. It used to be the old middle school. Yeah, it used to be the old middle school. So imagine like a middle school built in 1930 or maybe it was 1940, something like that, you know, with marble floors and all the old woodwork and everything. And so um, these manufacturing companies in town, like I said, Larson's, uh, maybe Rainbow Participator, Dactronics too, uh, they really invest into the community. And so we have... Uh, I would say that our children's museum here is on par with the children's museum in Ch in Chattanooga, Tennessee. I've been there a few times, got family down there, but it's, um, oh, you, you couldn't go through the whole thing in two days with, with your kids. So you, you have that, um, you have all the resources of the college. We have, I think about 15,000 on campus uh, or in-town students at SDSU. So along with that, you get a lot of babysitters. It's a big education school. Um, so you have uh, great opportunities and great uh, education that comes from that school and makes its way into our public school system here as well and just uh, the regular members themselves. Um, as for other, you know, the, the city pool is closed down right now, unfortunately, as it is with many places. But there's city park and rec is just huge i think you got to sign up for that to get in uh like at 12 midnight when they open up the online <laughs> your registration for your kids um lots of parks all over the place just a great place to raise a town it's safe too uh a very very safe community yeah so tell us a little bit more about the school situation you mentioned that um the public schools are good what other options are there as well is there lutheran schools in town yeah, so Peace Lutheran Church uh, and school is at the, the church on the south side of town. Um, they have a preschool, child care, uh, daycare there, and learning center. And then I think uh, kindergarten through third grade is where they're at. Um, and so it's a, it's a small, modest school, but uh, but doing well. Um, I think that the, uh, a couple of years ago, the large Catholic church in town, St. Thomas More, started a school as well. Um, about six miles to the west of us in a little town called Volga. Uh, they have, I don't know, 1,500, 2,000 people live over there. There's a Christian school there that goes through eighth grade, and they've been around for probably 20-some years or better. Um, we started homeschooling a while ago, and my, my wife is the director of Classical Conversations. And I tell you, she is as busy as can be right now with schools, 
kind of shutting well shutting down and then uh, uh, sending all the information home with the parents to teach the kids. So it's like pretty much everyone's a homeschooler in our in our city right now, in the state and lots of places around the world. And so uh, this year they're going from one community to three communities and tripling literally tripling in families and in children for homeschooling because yeah it's it's crazy because you have these parents who are maybe they're stay-at-home moms or financially they could do that and uh there's the a kid gets sent home with the work that they have to do and by monday afternoon they have all their work done for the entire week and they think well evidently you're not being challenged to your potential so we have the opportunity to do that we have the opportunity to challenge you at home there's this good uh, structure of classical conversations to uh, to slide into already so um, yeah we're going from like 30 students to I think upwards of 70 this coming fall Wow so what is classical conversations um, classical conversations. Oh, that's a good question for my wife. She knows a whole lot more about the history of it. Uh, maybe started 25, 30 years ago, something like, like that. And, um, uh, it, it's based upon, as the title says, the classic, uh, form of, of, uh, of education. So you start with foundations. And so, uh, the emphasis there for the young children, like up to third grade, is just getting them to memorize. So the first thing they memorize is world history, like from Adam and Eve to up till now. And just you memorize it by song. Uh, you memorize uh, grammar. You memorize English grammar uh, with the declensions and so forth. Uh, you memorize Latin grammar. They put all these foundational blocks in uh, at the beginning. Do the same with mathematical tables. So you, you memorize... Um, multiplication tables by two, by four, by 10, uh, whatever it might be. Uh, and then from there, it, it uh, you know, blossoms into the application and building upon that, that foundation. Um, uh, one thing I really like about uh, it is that every day, they gather for one day in class, if you will. So on Thursdays is our day. So the kids are there either half a day or a whole day, depending on you know their, their age. Um, all the, the classes there are tutored by, by parents that kind of Put the lessons together and then send them home for the parents throughout the week. So really much like what our school system, public school systems are doing these days. But the kids got to do a presentation. So like, you know, my six-year-old son from and my, you know, my, my five-year-old daughter from day one, they had to put together a two-minute oral presentation on something they thought was neat uh, the week before. And so just mapping and structuring the mind to be able to engage in the adult life and, and be successful is just great. Absolutely, yeah. So what what is it like in terms of, we've already talked a little bit about the university being there. How many people are in Brookings who aren't students? You already mentioned that the school adds about 15,000 to the population. What's the, what's the non-university population? Um, just about that as well. Oh, okay. So, yeah, as you come into town, I, I think the population sign says 21 or 22,000, something like that. Um, now, some of that does include resident students. So, you know, you, you have a, an apartment and you, you live here in town. Um, but by and large, I think on, on campus, there's maybe, oh, I don't know what the maybe around 12,000 is kind of what you have come, come into town. There's commuters that live a ways. So, but, but by and large, I, I would say when school's up and running and our, everything's going here in town, it's probably closer to like 30, 30, 35,000 in our County. We have 
close to 50,000 people. So for South Dakota, it's rather populous. By the way, you can tell which county everyone's from by their license plate number. And so it starts with the most populous county, which is Minnehaha, Sioux Falls, that's number one. We're number six, so whenever they did this, we were evidently the sixth largest county. Uh, but then there's these other smaller towns that kind of function as suburbs. Uh, there's a town of Aurora, seven miles to the east. That's about 1,000, 1,500 people. You have uh, Volga to the west, seven miles, six miles to the west, and then some other small towns around too. It's a lot cheaper to buy houses in those towns than it is in Brookings. That's kind of the biggest problem It's just finding housing in, in Brookings right now because it's, it's growing. I see. Let's take a moment for a word from our sponsor. At this time, a lot of parents and grandparents are considering keeping their children at home when the government schools open back up in the fall, and I would encourage you to do the same. If you're looking for a curriculum, I would recommend checking out the Ron Paul Homeschool Curriculum. This will teach your children well how to live in the left-hand kingdom with classes in business, natural sciences, as well as college prep, in addition to all the usual subjects that you would expect from any curriculum, such as mathematics and history. Best thing about this curriculum is that it is self-directed after the third grade, so you don't have to pull your hair out trying to stay a step ahead of your children in the curriculum. If you're interested, I'd recommend checking it out at lutheranecartographer.com homeschool. That's lutheranecartographer.com homeschool. Let's get back to our guest. So what what is it like to I I've never lived in a place where the the university either has a comparable number or more people than the the town itself. What what does that dynamic like? Does that add people to your congregation? What's it like having such a large university in comparison to the rest of the town? Um so our economy, our local economy is heavily dependent upon the university. In town at rentals, at restaurants, at stores. Um, it's also dependent, of, you know, upon the, the professors, the workers up at the university. And so, oh, my goodness, you know, for people in our congregation that, that work at the university, we got to have know, probably 30, maybe 40 people in our congregation that work at the university. Maybe not that many, a lot. Um, uh, during the school year, it, it's in the summer, it's quiet. It's like a small Midwestern town. Yeah, we live two blocks from campus. Uh, but then when, you know, August rolls around, the students come back in there, you know, got their orientation and, and it's nice out and they're walking from this house to that house or to downtown to do what college students do downtown, you know, and walk. But we're right in between like downtown and the university. So we get a lot of foot traffic all hours of the night. Um, then it, you know, it's just it's just busy. Like you don't want to go to Walmart, move in weekend. You're just it's going to just a disaster. It's, it's a lot of you actually have to wait at a traffic light. You know, there's traffic jams. Oh, it's terrible. <laughs> traffic, what is that? <laughs> yeah, the, the town the town really comes alive then. I see. Okay. Well, let's say that you have uh, a friend coming into town. What uh, would, would you recommend they see or do? What are some of the, the things that you would recommend? If, if they're coming into town and if they have children, we definitely go to the Children's Museum. Um, oh, I forgot to mention the, um, the Dakota nature park so on the south side of town is actually an old landfill like from years ago so there's there's a hill it's really flat around here and then there's ponds and so they uh made it into a nature park there's uh, trees paths all over the place there's a, a bike park at um an off-road you know mountain biking with jumps and and other obstacles and stuff to go through it's 
Uh, they stock the fish ponds down there. I got to take my son fishing down there because they just stocked with like 15,000 rainbow, uh, rainbow trout, I understand. Um, so I think, you know, if you got kids, those are two things we would do. Um, when the university is up and going, uh, the different plays and performances that they have there are just really phenomenal. We also have a local theater company. Um, if you're here during the summertime, uh, every Sunday night, there's the Brookings Community Band, and they put on a, it's directed by the band director of the university. It's phenomenal. Uh, I mean, musicians we have in town are phenomenal. Uh, just for a small community like this. And so they always get, oh, probably about 500 people to come out for the the evening band concerts. Uh, during the summertime, we typically have a big arts festival in the park, and that brings in millions of dollars to our community. I, 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 think, I think they say it brings, our population close to doubles during the arts festival, literally doubles. Wow. Uh, they run buses from the, the big uh, Walmart, Lowe's, and so and other places, the football stadium parking lot. So people have to park there, which is like three miles away, and get bussed in to this arts festival that goes for a weekend. They're not doing it this year, unfortunately. But So those are some some big attractions. Uh, we're Division One in sports up at SDSU, so that's, you can always pick up a good sports game, whatever the season might be. Fantastic. So as we start to close out the podcast, I want to make sure that I give you the opportunity to tell our listeners about anything that you would like to, whether that's places to follow you online, your church's website. What would you like to send our listeners to? Um, I, I'm not a Brian Wolf Mueller. I don't have my own <laughs> website and, and industry that kind of revolves around. He's, he's phenomenal. God be praised for that, man. Absolutely. Um, yeah, he our, was a guest on uh, episode nine. Yeah. Great. Um, our church website is mountcalvary1.org. It's the number one, Mount Calvary number one, uh, dot org. Our services and a lot of other stuff is on there. Um, it, we do campus ministry, and so uh, that is part and parcel to our identity here at Mount Calvary, just being two blocks away. Uh, during the regular uh, academic year, we have somewhere between 20 to 30 uh, students join us for worship. Our other pastor, Pastor Micah Bauer, he does multiple Bible studies a week. Um, specifically for the college students, always have activities going on, and so that's um, it's a big part of our identity and, and what we what we do here at Mount Calvary is, and so we have an effect um, that goes just beyond our community, right? Because these college students, they come here, they're fed, uh, they're nourished, they um, they they learn to cherish, I think, in a greater way and understand more deeply the Lutheran identity and heritage that we have, and the clarity of of answers and the confidence um, that we have as well in, in Christ. And uh, then they go out to be church leaders. Um, a number of them have found their way back here. Uh, when I was a vicar, uh, we had, it was alive and well, uh, the campus ministry, but we have like something like 12 of those students are back in our congregation now, right? And they're our congregational leaders. It's, uh, it's, a, it's a great thing to see. So um, if you're a, a LCMS parent out there and you're thinking, oh, my kid might want to go to uh, SDSU, hey, there's a great Lutheran church with a thriving campus ministry two blocks away. So come check us out. Fantastic. Thank you for your time today. What are your parting thoughts for our listeners? Um, I, I think when I heard first heard about you and what you're doing in this uh, uh, Lutheran cartography, I think it's really great. Um uh, and so I, I think as some areas of the country become more of a challenge to be a confessing Christian in, uh, you can 
you know, if you're going to move or if you're on vacation, you can check out these congregations and get good get a good picture of what they're like, what the pastors like, what the communities like, and uh, and be edified in in the faith. So um, so thanks for your work. I look forward to checking out your work uh, more in the years to come as I travel around the United States. Thank you. All right. Thanks again. God's peace. God's peace. Thanks for listening to the Lutheran Cartographer. For more about the things that we talked about today, check out the show notes page at lutherancartographer.com slash 31. I encourage you to check out a project that I've finished recently at lutherancartographer.com slash map. Go there and you'll see plotted out on the map all the different places that we've interviewed people from. So go ahead and check out lutherancartographer.com slash map to see that. And also I encourage you to check out that homeschool curriculum offer that's at lutherancartographer.com slash homeschool if you're looking for a good homeschool curriculum for the fall to help your kids live well in the left-hand kingdom. I'm Nicholas Weber. Thanks for listening. Talk to you soon.